Well, good morning, everyone. Well, we've done it. We've come to the last week in our series on the book of James. And over the past few weeks, I've had a few conversations with people about how James is well, he's pretty full on, isn't he? He's like a doctor performing open heart surgery. Uh, his words have exposed us, exposed our hearts, our sinful desires. He has cut around in and around us and dug in on issues like showing favouritism, uh, wanting to get what we want, the use of our tongues, living for ourselves, greed. James has been taking a scalpel to our sinful desires, wanting us to get rid of them so that we'd persevere in Christ, and it's been pretty intense. And so as we come to the end of the series, I guess I want to ask you, how are you going in all of that? You know, where are you at? We don't want to be merely listen to the word, we want to do what it says. How have you gone through this letter of James? Are you good? You know, are you on top of this? Encouraged by hearing the word of God and full steam ahead with obedience? That'd be good, that'd be great. Or perhaps you're troubled by what you've heard, but stirred to action. You've been confronted by God's word, cut to the heart, and you're eager to repent and to continue in Christ. Or maybe you're weary. You know James is right. You're just not sure if you're up for it. It feels like your sinful desires have you know, kind of hardened and fixed themselves to you and you don't know if you can say no to them. You don't know if you can keep going as a follower of Jesus. You're feeling weak in your faith. If you're honest, you can see yourself right now drifting slowly away from Jesus and who knows where you'll be with him in one or two years' time. As James closes his letter, he addresses a few different responses to what he's had to say, but the one he gives the longest time to is to the person who's feeling weak. The people James originally wrote to, they were clearly struggling with their sin. We've seen that all the way through the letter. And so James finishes his letter with instructions on what to do when struggling with sin. So let's take a look. Uh, James starts first off, though, with those who are in trouble or happy. So chapter 5, verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. So James says, if in all of this you're in hardship, he says, well, pray. Ask God to give you the strength to persevere in your faith in Christ. Uh, But if you're happy, uh, then he says, well, you know, praise God that he's doing great things in your heart. Praise him for his goodness to you. Then from verse 14, James now addresses what to do if you're struggling with sin. And he looks at three different areas. Firstly, when it's us personally. When it's you who's struggling with your sin. Next, he looks at when it's someone else who is struggling with their sin and they're coming to you admitting their struggles. What do you do then? And then lastly, what do you do for the person who is wandering away from Christ because of their sin? So first, what to do if you are personally struggling with your sin? You're weak in your faith. You're you're weary of the battle of struggling against your own evil desires. You're finding it hard to keep going in your faith in Christ because your sin has taken hold. What do you do? What do you do? Well, James says, you ask for help. 
Verse 14. Is any one of you sick? She called the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Now, look, those verses are a little bit odd. What's all this talk about being sick and then being made well? I thought I said these verses were about struggling with sin. It turns out that there are some translation issues in these verses, and I'm loath to deal with them because I really want to address us in our own personal struggles with our sin. But it's going to be hard to see what God's saying if we don't clear this up. So as quickly as I can. The words translated sick and healing in these verses are translated differently in other parts of the Bible. So the word for sick in verse 14 is translated as weak in Acts and 2 Corinthians. The word for sick in verse 15 is only used in one other place in the entire New Testament, in Hebrews 12, and in Hebrews 12 there it's translated as weary. Uh, The word for made well in verse 15 is translated as the word save, right across the New Testament. Now the word for healed in verse 16 is commonly used to mean healing, but it can also be figuratively used to mean being renewed. So, who's got the clicker? Ah, there it is. Put all that together and the verses could read like this. I've got it up on the screen for you. Is any one of you sick or weak? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well or save the weary person. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, you'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed or renewed. So our translators have made a choice and they've taken us down one path. It's the path of being sick and needing healing, but it could also be being about the weak and the weary in need of forgiveness. So how do you choose? Well, I think the context of our verses make it very clear. Uh, In verses 15 and 16, James explicitly mentions sins and being forgiven. But even more than that, you've got the entire context of the whole letter that we've been looking at over the last four weeks. This whole letter is driven by the people's struggles with their sin. And so James closes his letter by telling them what to do with their struggles with sin. Wrap it all up. These verses aren't about the physically sick. These verses are about the spiritually sick, the weak those who are struggling to persevere in their faith in Christ because they're struggling with their sin. So back to James and what is he saying to us? Well, the first area of struggling with sin that he deals with is when it is you. When you're struggling with your sin. What to do when you're weary in your faith, in danger of giving up on Christ because you're struggling to resist your sin. What do you do when you're weak in your faith because sin's taken a hold of your life? Well, James is clear what to do. Don't go it alone. Don't struggle on in silence and don't wait for someone else to notice. In verse 14, you call the elders to pray for you. And as you come to them, confessing your weariness and your struggles with sin, as the elders pray for you, verse 15, you'll be forgiven. Aren't they wonderful words? 
When you're weak in your faith, when you are overwhelmed by your sin, what does God offer you? Three-point plan to a holy life? Four ways to pull your moral socks up so that you can finally get your act together? Five steps to the obedient life. Is that what God offers you? No. He offers you forgiveness. It's just wonderful, isn't it? Friends, if you are struggling with a sin right now, don't hide in shame. Don't pretend everything's okay when you're with us, but on the inside you're racked with guilt and fear. Don't carry your sin on your own. Ask for help and drink deeply from the well of God's overflowing forgiveness. And it doesn't have to be the elders that you call to for help in your struggle against sin. In verse 16, we're to confess our sins to each other. So you could talk to an elder, or you could talk to your growth group leader, or you could talk to a trusted Christian friend. Admit your sin to someone. Confess your weariness and ask them to pray for you and enjoy the forgiveness of God. Now, before we look at the second situation that James teaches about when it comes to dealing with struggles with sin, it'd be good to think about a few implications of admitting our sin to each other. And the first one's an obvious one, and that is that Christians struggle with sin and fail. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Christ, you might have been thinking that Christians are the good people. You know, Christians are always doing the right thing. They're, they're helping people. They're doing good. They're being good. And yes, Christians do trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for how we are to live. And so we are trying and wanting to obey him. But these verses make it clear that Christians struggle with sin and we fail. Another thing about Christianity these verses help us to see is that being a Christian is not private. You don't become a follower of Jesus and follow him on your own. Your faith in God is not something that you keep to yourself. We're meant to be in this together, helping one another to keep our faith in Christ. We're even confessing our sins to each other. Not always easy. Rarely easy, isn't it? We live much of our lives with fear just bubbling beneath the surface, don't we? Scared of what the other people around us are thinking about us. So if I was to admit my sin to you... Would you think less of me? Would you look down on me? Would you reject me? Christ can break down our fears, brothers and sisters. Because when someone does come to you and they admit their sin to you, you know that you're just as much of a sinner as they are. We all need forgiveness. We all struggle with sin. No one here is better or worse than anyone else. And so we don't have to prove ourselves to each other. Praise God can jump off the treadmill of human performance. We don't have to live with the facade of, you know, I've always got it together all the time. In Christ, we are free to admit our sins to one another in the safety of knowing that we're here for each other, in love, to help each other keep our faith in Christ. Which brings us to the second situation James addresses when it comes to dealing with sin And that is when someone comes to you admitting their struggles with their sin. What do you do when someone comes to you confessing their sin? Well, as we saw just then in verse 16, what we're to do is we are to pray for them. We're to pray for God's renewal, for God's forgiveness. And James wants us to know that our praying for one another, it works. 
verse 16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James wants us to know that our prayers aren't hocus pocus. They're not just empty words, powerful and effective because God has promised that he'll forgive. James has just said that in verse 15, God will forgive. That's his promise. And so when you ask for his forgiveness, of course, forgiveness is given. God's promised it. Our prayers will work. To illustrate this, James gives us the example of Elijah. Uh, Elijah, he had a different promise from God. Uh, He didn't have God's promise of forgiveness. He had God's promise of rain. At the beginning of 1 Kings 18, I can read it up later, uh, God promises Elijah that after he has appeared before the king of Israel, then he will send rain. And so after appearing before the king of Israel, Elijah prays for rain And what do you know? It rains. Look at it there now in verse 17. Verse 17. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah had God's promise of rain, so when he prayed for rain, it rained. Now, we don't have God's promise of rain, but in verse 15, we have God's promise of forgiveness. And if God honoured his promise to Elijah of rain, how much more will he honour his promise to us of forgiveness? God's promise of forgiveness is grounded in the cross of Christ. This is the promise of God that is sealed with the blood of his son. This is the promise of God that is written in the hands and the feet of Christ Jesus our Lord. He stretched out his arms on those miserable pieces of wood. So that when anyone would come to him and ask for his forgiveness, God would say, yes, yes, of course, yes. That's why my son died. So of course, come to me and know my love and my forgiveness. Look to my son, see his hands and his feet and see your sins paid for. Know your sins are forgiven. And so when a brother or sister comes to us, shares with us their weariness in the faith as they struggle with their sin and you pray for them, you know they will be forgiven. And you can remind them and you can assure them of God's all-conquering love. Okay, and on to the last situation that James addresses when it comes to dealing with struggles with sin And this is the one when you see a believer in Jesus, a fellow believer, wandering away from Christ. So they're not coming to you admitting their sin. They're not coming to you and asking you to pray for them. They're not looking for help. Maybe they don't want help with their sin. They don't want any help with the direction their life is heading. What do you do then? Do you say something? Well, James says yes. Because we want them to stay saved by God. Verse 19. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The stakes couldn't get any higher, could they? We're talking about someone being saved from death. 
If you know someone who is wandering away from Christ, giving in to their sin and giving up on trusting Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, then you do what you can to turn them back to Christ. I mean, if you were involved in like a shipwreck out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and you now find yourself stranded on 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 a life raft with 10 other people, and one of the people in the life raft just you know, kind of starts to slide out and fall into the ocean. They didn't tell anyone. They didn't make any noise. They kind of just started to slide out and fall in. Surely you would call out, wouldn't you? Surely you would reach out and you would grab them and pull them. You would do whatever you could to get them back in. You don't want them to drown. You get them back into the life raft, don't you? The Lord Jesus is our life raft. He is the only one who can save us from death and hell and so for someone to drift away from him to give in to their sin instead of trusting him as their lord and savior that is to drift away from god's salvation we don't want that to happen to anyone now this doesn't mean we start going on a witch hunt you know someone misses church for a week and so now it's time to give them 45 phone calls we're not to become a controlling cult But at the same time, we're obviously not to just sit back and watch people persist in their sin and walk away from Jesus. So what do you you say to someone who you think is wandering away from Christ? How do you start that conversation? Well, a good way to start that kind of conversation, I think, is with questions. Don't just come out with, you know, bold accusations and dire warnings it could be that there's things going on in their life that you're just not aware of or there's things that are happening that you you just don't understand it's usually better to assume that they've got reasons for whatever direction their life is taking get them to explain it to you so you can work out whether you do need to urge them back to the lord jesus christ all right friends there's god's word to us That's the letter of James. It's all about persevering in your faith in Christ. Because if you're going to wander away from him, and just give in to your sinful desires and live for yourself, well, James says you are walking away from God's forgiveness, you're walking away from God's salvation, you are walking away from God's eternal life, and James really doesn't want that. That's why over the past few weeks he has taken a blowtorch to the sinful desires of our hearts. He has pulled no punches when speaking to us about showing favouritism and how we use our tongues, the desires to get what we want and our greed. He has slapped us about the face for four chapters on these things because he really doesn't want us to walk away from Jesus by giving in to our sin. And so right here and now, If you are convicted by the word of God, then hear what he says and do what he says. If you are weak and weary in your faith, overwhelmed by your sin, if in your struggle against your sin you can feel yourself drifting away from Christ, if that's you, then trust your God and do what he says. And talk to someone, someone you trust, a brother or a sister in Christ, 
your growth group leader. If you don't know who to talk to, chat to one of the elders, but don't struggle with your sin on your own. Talk to someone, confess your sin, and drink from the fountain of God's forgiveness. And if you know of someone who's wandering away from the truth, giving into their sin and drifting and walking away from Christ, then you talk to them. Find out how they're going. Seek them out. Love them. Listen to them. Call them back to Christ. We don't want anyone to hurl themselves into the wrath of God by walking away from Jesus. Back in chapter 1, James said these words. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial... Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to all who love him. Brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ, he is coming. Eternal life is nearer today than it ever has been. So don't turn away from him. Persevere in your faith in Christ. If you need help, ask. If you know of someone who needs help, offer. Because eternal life is just around the corner. Our Lord is coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would fill us with humility. Humility before you. That we can be honest with ourselves and so Father, honest with you. Father, we pray that you'd fill us with love, love for you and for one another. Father, we do not want to be gripped by our sin. We want to be gripped by you and your son, so filled with your spirit to gladly trust you and so live for you. Father, please help us in our weakness, in our weariness, in our joys, in our suffering, in everything, Father. Please hold us fast to yourself. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.